Hello, 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 and welcome to another Win Daily Sports Show. My name is Michael Raziel. I have my men, Sia Najad and Joel Shrek here with me, and we are breaking down the WGC Workday Championship for your DFS embedding needs. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the hell out of that like button. If you're watching on Twitter, click retweet. How easy is that? Get some other people involved. And if you're listening on the podcast, shoot us a five-star review. How hard is that? Again, it's like three clicks. I'm asking you to do three things. We've made you enough money at this point. I'm asking you for three clicks. I don't think that's that big of a deal. See, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good. I'm good, Michael. I'm looking forward to this no-cut event because those are always kind of fun to have mixed in. But obviously, we'd be remiss if we didn't kind of start the show with the big news, right? Yes. I was going to get to pleasantries and then we were going to go to it, though. So, Joel, how are you today, buddy? (laughs) There we go. Uh, Listen, I I was going into today and this morning. I was super excited for this week. I think this is going to be a really fun tournament. Uh, but I'm saddened. I'm saddened by the Tiger news. Um, there's a, it seems to be a lot a big mystery over, you know, how injured he is, um, and you know if it looks what what his career will look like going forward if there is one. So um, that part of it is it's you know for the overall game of golf and obviously this is a golf show. Today's a sad day. Uh, no matter how you look at it, today's a sad day. I mean, I, I would say even I don't know if shows like ours even exist. If it's not for Tiger, because he brought such a popularity to the game of golf and becoming a thing that people want to find content on and follow where it wasn't that before Tiger. Right? No one was following those golfers before Tiger game like they do now. So, uh, you know, a lot of what we're doing now in this show gets credit, you know, to him because of what he made of the game of golf. And uh, and he is he's, he's a lot of fun when he's playing, when he's hurt and not playing well. He's still the talk of the town in golf. So um, having an injury like this is just it's just sad. It's extremely disappointing. It's extremely unfortunate. I'm sure, as you've already heard, uh, Tiger Woods was involved in a single car accident early this morning out in Los Angeles around the Genesis Invitational that we had last week. Uh, pretty, pretty bad. Uh, there's some conflicting reports. Uh, apparently, at first, it sounded like the jaws of life were used, and then I got another notification saying they were not. Either way, he is in stable-ish condition. Uh, He is in non-life-threatening condition. He had to immediately get rushed to surgery, which is unfortunate. The most recent news I saw was he had two fractured legs and a shattered ankle, uh, and he was already just came back from back surgery. We saw that slightly awkward moment with him and Jim Nance this past weekend. So it's, it's obviously disappointing. And as Joel, you said, I mean, golf, Tiger is golf essentially right you either love to watch him or you rooted against him and there was really no middle ground with tiger so he was extremely polar but he brought a lot of people to the game and also as you said joel everyone that's come up since has idolized looked at or taken some form of tiger's game we all know the comment like oh now everybody weight lifts and now everyone does that and that's all attributed to tiger uh, and and everything he was able to do in his career so it's obviously very disappointing but it is the uh, news of the day. See, I'll, uh, I'll throw it back to you. To, um, you know, you could chime in a little bit on Tiger as well. It's interesting you say polarizing because I don't disagree because every superstar in their sport is polarizing. But it's interesting about Tiger because when you talk about polarizing, usually it's like a 50-50 split or 70-30. Like, let's talk about like LeBron, for example. But in Tiger's case, I really think the split was like 90%, 10%. And it was like those 10% that always just kind of hate. You know, that yeah. that's just going to be their, their <laughs> autopilot. The 90, like the 90% were just so inspired by like 
the new kid on the block back in the 2000s, just doing things that, that you didn't think could be done in golf. Let's remember what this is. I mean, we do a DFS show and we always talk about variance. We talk about 156 person field or 142 person field. And no matter how good Dustin Johnson is or Justin Thomas when he's playing well or Rory McIlroy when he's playing well, no matter how good is just so much variance that you can't really lean on those guys every time. But in Tiger Woods's case, you could actually lean on him every time. Like the, the betting lines, it would be Tiger Woods minus 110. It would be the rest of the field, the other 150 players, you know, minus or, or, you know, plus 100 or whatever it was. It was like even money. And it's just so mind boggling when you think of it that way, because it's one guy versus the world. And for about five or 10 years, the one guy was coming out on top way more often than you would think just via conventional wisdom. So when I think of Tiger, like, especially in this context, I mean, let's be really honest with ourselves. The first thing we thought of, of course, was his health. But, you know, part of our mind also went to, man, I hope I get to see him play golf again. And I think I think we think it's like it's not appropriate to say that on the airwaves because we should be consider we could should be concerned about his health exclusively. But listen, when, when you watch a guy for 20 years just dominate and do things you've never seen done before, you know, you kind of want to see it again. And you mentioned the Jim Nance interview. I had a question whether or not Tiger was going to play again anyway, and if he was, you know, how good he was going to be, because the spinal fusion and the, the corrective surgeries and the recent surgery and all that stuff. So, yeah, it, it, it's really unfortunate. You know, one thing that I'm sort of gleaning from this is he is iconic, obviously. And I think as fans, whether we're doing a show as, you know, writers or experts or, or just as a casual fan of really any sport, you really have to enjoy what you're watching. You really have to be in the moment and enjoy what you're watching because at some point, Tiger's career was going to come to a close. Hopefully it's not now, but at some point it was. And, you know, I think of iconic athletes that I, you know, I have Magic Johnson behind me. You know, at some point that career was going to come to a close and you got to enjoy it while it's, while it's happening because, you know, it, nobody beats father time, obviously. So he's iconic and it makes me think of some of these other iconic athletes that, um, that that have kind of come and gone and i and i hope as fans we've had a chance to enjoy that yeah and, and it's the fact that now this is you know another major injury too right it's not that it's not just father time in this situation we know obviously what happened the first time with his car accident there's a whole kind of there's, there's a lot of stuff there but obviously that didn't work out very well he's had multiple back surgeries He's kind of, I mean, he had the Masters, but ever other than the Masters, there he hasn't really been back, right? Like, that was an incredible moment. We all watched it. Ratings were through the roof. It was amazing. I don't know anybody that hated that situation or that moment. But now, man, it's just starting. Now, you know, as you said, like, it's starting to all of this is piling up, piling up, piling up, and throwing this now on top of it. I mean, I, I don't know what it's going to look like if you're right. He ever plays again. I, I assume he will continue that comeback trail because that's just the type of competitor that we've seen. I mean, I literally don't know golf without Tiger Woods. Like, I legitimately, I mean, we joke that I'm 15. I'm 29 years old. I do not know what? a time. Yes, I know it's weird. Don't worry. <laughs> After this serious conversation, I'll go back to being 15. But I legitimately can't think of a time in my life where I turned on and Tiger wasn't mentioned or thought of or said. I mean, you know, you kind of take the first six, seven years of my life off because I don't remember anything from that shit. After that, it's just been Tiger Woods and then everybody else. So it's uh, it's extremely disappointing. Hopefully, again, of course, health is number one. But I, yeah, I mean, I mean we'll I'll add to that. I mean, there's also and we've seen this in the past. I think it was something we were we were even texting about earlier. He's so great, right? He's done things. He has accomplishments in golf, like we're saying, that are unparalleled. 
I wouldn't pass him to make the comeback, right? Listen, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying I expect it. But what I'm saying is it wouldn't shock me. Nothing that he can accomplish on a golf course at this point would shock me, right? Anything he does now is going to be like, yeah, well, he's the best ever. So if he had these back fusions and he had this hard, horrible, life-threatening car accident and he comes back and wins another major, breaks the record for most wins ever, no one and all, none of us are going to be shocked. We're all going to be like, yep, there's Tiger doing it again. Just like, you know what I mean? So – I know you never doubt him. You know, I'm, you know, we're obviously he's in our prayers and we hope he gets a speedy recovery, but I'm, I wouldn't be shocked if Tiger's back. And I do have one other, one other thing. So when Tiger was in his prime, it was a bit before the prime, before DFS was really a big thing. Right. So back in those days, like Sia was saying, you know, Tiger was winning every tournament. It was absurd. I mean, like a level that like, you know, like we were jokingly last week, can we compare him to DJ? No, like realistically it was absurd. If they were to put him in a tournament during that time when he was dominant, on a DraftKings tournament with salaries now, what would his price be? Fourteen thousand. I was gonna say fifteen. Yeah, I think that's low. I was like, <laughs> I gotta put him every time he's gonna win. No, like, you're right. Give me you're Tiger. Right. It, yeah, I mean, uh, there were um, a couple weeks ago. I can't remember which uh, the exact tournament was, but they were talking about Rory's incredible cut streak. It's at like twenty six. And then they're like, yeah, but it doesn't even come close to Tiger's like 150 straight cuts <laughs> made. And it's just like when you when you start to put things in those types of context, because the 26 or whatever Rory's out is ridiculous. That is an insane, insane number. And then you're like, ah, oh, but if you times it by seven, that's what Tiger was at. Like, And it's just, it's crazy what he did for the sport of golf and how he did it. You're right, Joel. That'd be hilarious. You'd have to play him every week, so it kind of get a little boring. But it'd also be interesting. And, and right, like... Tiger Woods was minus money to win tournaments. And the closest we've seen is Dustin Johnson at plus 450. Like, that is just absolutely absurd. And, I mean, it's it's obviously different now. Comparing errors is, is a little weird. But it's unfortunate. Hopefully, he is okay. And hopefully, he can recover. And, Joel, I completely agree with you. If he comes back, I'm not going to be surprised. I would be surprised if he won. I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the tour again, though. Yeah, that's fair. I want to ask you guys something because, Michael, you said it. When you think of golf, you think of Tiger. And, and I think, and, and, and at your age, that makes sense. But honestly, even at my advanced age, I mean, I think the same thing. So it's not like we're what, off like generation. 45, 50-ish? I'm like 65 years old. It seems like it, yeah. Approximately. But but here's the thing. I, I want to ask you guys something, because I, I think this is just sort of a, a fun thing in lieu of just kind of talking about Tiger and how iconic he is with respect to golf. And I promise everybody will get into the WGC Workday in just one second. But... I, let's go over the like the maybe the three or four major sports. Let, let's just do baseball. Let's do basketball and let's do um, football. When I say those sports, and Michael, maybe we'll start with you, and then Joel, you go. Like like basketball, for example. Let me skip over Magic Johnson. Let me let me do somebody a little bit more current. What's iconic for me? I'm not going to give you an obvious answer. Is Allen Iverson, uh, or or maybe as a group like the Fab Five? When I mm-hmm. think of basketball, like th- those those two entities come to mind. But Michael, I'll start with you. Like what what what's iconic and what what, what comes to mind? It's just LeBron. LeBron. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, since like what he's 2001, he came in the league. I was mm-hmm. a legitimate nine, ten years old at that point. Like it's just been LeBron my whole life. I remember when he was drafted. I was actually at a Nets game uh, when they used to be in New Jersey. And I saw they had like the lottery or whatever and all the Cavs fans going crazy. And it was pretty funny because, yeah, just LeBron. That's it. Yeah, it makes sense. Joel? I think I know where you're going with this. And it's a good it's a good point. I think you know, in the NBA, you can say LeBron. Um, in football, you know, you could say Tom Brady. There's no baseball player that you could put in the same sentence as Tiger Woods. Um, and I, I, I don't really think there's many other athletes you can even say in the same breath. right? And, and even, even Brady and, and LeBron are like – 
Woods is probably ahead of them. Like he transcended. Like the, with LeBron, right? You go to Tiger. I mean, you go to uh, Jordan, and and there's all these and Magic, and there's all these different guys, right? With with Tiger, at least in this era, with people that he competed against, there's no one that you really can put in that stratosphere. Um, you know, if you want to go back to you know way back to Palmer and other eras, maybe. But again, completely different eras. Right now, like. It's bizarre. It's 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 he's a, he's alone. He stands alone. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, if I if I had to run through the list, I think for baseball, for some reason, and, and I'm just doing kind of first name that comes to mind. Barry Bonds comes to yeah. mind. Oh my god! Um, yeah. So you know, he, I mean, he was good. For for those of you who don't know, he was really really good before he started juicing up. So <laughs> the whole Hall of Fame thing with yeah. him is like ups completely five hundred five hundred for our baseball friends out there. That is just fucking insane. Um, but and then when it comes to football, like Tom Brady's certainly not the one that comes to mind. I, I, but I, I don't, I don't really have one for football. I mean, I, you know, Mark Rippon probably 1991 Super Bowl champion for yes. the Washington football team. Um, no, but Scott. anyway, I, I just think it's an interesting exercise because I think with all the sports, there's like maybe one or in basketball, basketball NBA's case, there's probably like three or four guys. But every sport has like kind of like that guy, that Mount Rushmore guy. And Tiger, you're right, Joel, is like way above all of those in terms of, you know, iconic for his particular sport. Yeah, that would have been a really fun exercise, Joel. So thanks for ruining it. But uh, (laughs) no, in in all seriousness, uh, you know, prayers up, bless up to Tiger. Hopefully everything is okay. He is fine. His family's cool. And uh, we again, we will be able to see him one more time on a PGA Tour event. But we can lament about Tiger for hours and hours, I think. And we can talk about all his career accomplishments and what he's meant to the game of golf. Um but I don't think we need to continue to do that. Maybe we could do a separate show about that maybe one day. But we can get – oh, okay. I do want to say one, one thing. So it looks like we have a lot of guys in the chat. And if, if you're not already in the chat, um, the easiest way to do that is go to our YouTube page and the, the, the chat box comes up. You can watch us on Twitter too. I'm not exactly sure how the, the chat works with that. But for those of you that are actually listening, like maybe at the end of the show, we can cir- – the very end, we can circle back. Like if there's an iconic athlete for any of the sports that we, you know, you wanted to mention, like just, met, just throw it out there so we can maybe discuss it at the end of the show. Or anything about Tiger. Throw anything about tiger in there we can always go back um so i do want to shout out some of the gentlemen uh we have austin in the chat we got casey casey is back what's up casey andrew we got s guy i'm gonna ignore one of austin's comments it's funny but i'm not about it and something's wrong with my feed see his black polo looks purple for some reason well that looks kind of look gray to me is that purple see it's purple um hmm. yeah it's still the same black polo but i was able to yeah. mess with the settings on my camera nice. to make it look like i'm wearing a different shirt so cool, it's cool, a little cool, camera cool, cool. trick don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just keep rocking. All right. Well, we are heading to the WGC Workday Championship. We are down in Florida, right outside Tampa Bay. Uh, Ch- Champa Bay, as they're calling it these days. Oh, the Lightning, the okay. the Bucks, uh, um, the Rays won the AL, which is honestly good enough when you go up against that freaking Dodgers team. What can you do? So, at Champa Bay, uh, we're gonna have an interesting one. As Cia said, it is a no cut event. These are weird wacky and definitely a lot of fun you you get all four days unless someone like dustin johnson wants to uh to drop out but um see talk to me a little bit about the wgc what we're paying attention to what we're looking for and uh things that we are going to need to do when we're uh, building our lineups 
Yeah, there's a couple things to consider that are very, very different. Um, the one is there's no course history here. Nobody's played this course. Now, there, there have been some NCAA championships on this course. I think back in 2015, there were a few, not just Bryson, but there were a few guys in this field that actually played this course. But there's literally no course history to go on. So a guy like Joel, some of our writers like Patrick, like we, and me too, by the way, you know, we all lean on course history to a very large extent, some more than others, but we don't have that here. So we're just going to have to go on the course setup. And we we don't know a ton about the course either. We know it's a relatively long course. It's a par 72. It's probably going to set up between 7,400 and 7,500 yards. It, you're going to want to be long off the tee, but it's not critical. It's definitely, as most courses, a second shot golf course, an approach shot golf course. Uh, being good around the green is definitely going to help. Um, I will be you know, factoring in sort of those metrics, ARG, putting uh, off the tee, well, not putting, um, approach off the tee and, and putting to some degree on this Bermuda grass. But Recent history is going to be a really kind of good indicator for me, too. And, and I think there's a lot of guys on this DraftKings list. Again, it's only a 72-person player field that uh, have present a lot of value. So we're going to talk about that during the show. It is interesting uh, to see because, Joel, you are our resident overweighting course history guy. I'm kind of curious, especially with this weird 72-cut event. How are you approaching this? What are you looking to do? And, and how are you going to kind of – I mean, you obviously – can't do what you normally do so what are you looking at here yeah you know actually it, it kind of opened my eyes today i was i was doing my research and you know can't use course history which for me obviously it takes a big chunk out of how i prepare for the week but what was good i almost you know i look i'm, I, I'm a glass half full type of guy and it opened up some some ways for me to prepare differently it, it made me find some new statistics um to look at uh, on how i'm preparing for a tournament so what i did this week was i started where else am i going to put at the, what I would normally weight toward course history, where am I going to replace that? So some of the things I started looking at were um, the type of grass that they're playing on. Right? How are guys playing on that type of grass? Is there an edge that we can find there? You know, another thing to factor, and this should be the case with all no-cut events, and these are part of all of our research before we play, you're going to pick golfers differently because it's a no-cut event. right? You can, you can pick guys that are a little bit more volatile because you know you're going to get four days out of them. A blow-up day, a, play, a guy who has a blow-up day on day two can be in the winning lineup on Sunday. If that happens on a cut event, they can't, right? So you need you need to take that into account. If you're in this to seriously make money, these are things that people are taking into account. So, you know, those are different just factors, and now I just have to wait a little bit more because there's no history that we can use. Yeah, not much you can do there, but uh, hey, maybe it's going to change something a little bit in your formula moving forward, and maybe maybe you take down even more money. That would be kind of cool. You're already rocking the DraftKings hoodie or the, the DraftKings sweatshirt. I like that. Uh, some guys in the chat. Austin, don't feel bad. Jokes are funny. Uh, I'm not going to put it up on the screen. Not going to lie. I laughed at it, though. Uh, and we have this. Uh, Zin, uh, Zhu Zin, maybe, I guess. Greatest ping pong mm -hmm. player ever. Transcendent. And I Yeah, we should apologize for leaving him out. That was yeah, yeah, obviously. That was, uh, that's on oversight. us. Yeah, yeah. Honest, yeah, honest to God, wow. that's on us. And Austin has uh, icons, icons, Mookie Balak, Mookie Wilson, and Mookie Mitchell. So the Mookie train, I'm Mookie Wilson. I'm, I'm about that. Uh, my my uh, grandma, different grandma, not the one I usually talk about on this show. She had a cat named Mookie. And if you, you used to count, uh, which was cute. Like if you pet him in one spot, he would do math. And six-year-old Mike, <laughs> mind blown. So that was a lot of fun. Um, all right, boys, let's uh, let's start breaking this bad boy down. So we got a couple guys up here, and this is top, top tier. We got Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Patrick Cantlay. 
the names that we know and love. We see them all the time. We see what they do and see how they do it. It is pretty incredible. Um, I mean, DJ there at 11.6. Oh, I didn't do my screen right, so I'll have to fix that. But how are you feeling about this top tier, Sia? And what exactly are you looking for from these guys? Especially, again, as Joel said, we're making these lineups weird because it is a no-cut event. Yeah, and speaking of making the lineups weird, I, I will say right from the jump that while I do like a few players in this elite tier range, 10K and above on DraftKings, I think you can start your lineups and be very comfortable in the 9K range. I've made plenty of lineups already, and my instinct on my very first lineup, I actually made one of my like higher entry, like um, higher dollar single entries. I actually did that one first before I did a lot of my research, and the, the thing that was eye-popping to me was the guys in the 9K range. So you don't have to grab a 10K guy, but you certainly can, and and you know mo I think most people will. The, the guys that I will be focused on in this range, probably John Rahm and Xander Shoffley. Um, Xander was okay last week. He finished 15th. It, it was definitely not what you expected if you rostered him, which by the way, I did. But his metrics were really, really good. He just happened to have a, a bad off the tee game day one on Thursday, and he was really bad with the putter on Sunday. So were a lot of people. There were a lot of people that were that were really good golfers that were just flat out bad on Sunday, including Dustin Johnson and Patrick Cantlay. So I'm not really going to hold Sunday against him. But his metrics on Friday and and Saturday, and and honestly on Thursday for the most part, were really, really good. He's excellent on approach. He's hitting it a little bit longer than he normally does. So he he does have the distance here. He's got the approach game. You know the short game is good with Xander so he's probably my favorite guy in this range I really like what I saw from John Rahm I mean he's obviously elite so you know you're kind of splitting hairs here I think Justin Thomas and Roy are guys that I'm definitely fading but if you want to be contrarian they will be the lowest owned in this range I think Rory is the better contrarian play and I'd, I'd like to um, uh, see if Joel uh, actually agrees with me there I think Patrick Cantlay is fine he's definitely a reasonable price but in terms of just the raw numbers, who I think is going to to score more at their value, it's probably Xander and John Rahm. I think DJ probably priced himself out here this tournament. He wasn't great with the driver last weekend, and he's still excellent. He's still the best, but I don't know that I want to pay 11-6 for DJ in this field. It's going to be difficult. In terms of the betting odds, Dustin Johnson plus 600, Rahm plus 850, Shoffley plus 12, Patrick Cantlay 16, and Rory McIlroy plus 16, 50. Joel. Yeah, so I'm. A, we I'm know, a, we know I, you're gonna pick Rory. Come on. Well, come on. Let's come on. let's let's. <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll ease into it a little when bit. It's time. Hold okay. on. Okay. Hold okay. on. Okay. First of all, I actually have a little bit of a different take on this on this than Sia. So my first play is, and I don't know yet. Let's see how, how the week plays out. My hope is that the ownership will come down a bit on DJ because the price is up because you know he he didn't finish well last week. Now, there's a few factors. He did play well last week. You know, not maybe not the best off the tee, but overall he played well. You know, it's he played really well in the middle of that ridiculous windstorm, which it's like you can't really hold anything against him because that's not normal conditions to play. And so if you blew up that day, like, I don't hold it against you. Like, whatever. That's not how you're going to be playing golf. Um, and so the thought is, you know, maybe people are a little disappointed by what they saw on Sunday and they want to go away from DJ. And if that's the case and I got to pay a little more and get some better ownership, then I like him. If DJ is going to be back up to 30%, then I'm probably not going to stay there. But let's see how the week trends on, and what, how people are playing him. But as of right now, I like DJ, and I want to go back to him. He's still playing ridiculous. I mean, Sia, who I, has a really great golf knowledge, went as far as to compare him to Tiger prime Tiger Woods last week. Well, so not exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can compare him to Tiger Woods. But. We, have the, we have the clips, yeah. We have the clips. <laughs> but the, the, the point is, right, if a week ago, if something along those lines was mentioned, he was playing that well, not, that, that much has changed in, in seven days. So – um, I'm, I'm going back to the well there. 
there is a lot to like about Rory this week. Okay, listen, I say it every week. Okay, the the the, the what there is to like about him is, and what I'm saying, what I was mentioning in the beginning of the show, is that he does tend to play a little bit better on this Bermuda grass that he's going to be playing on this week. So there's an edge there. Um, last week his form was pretty bad, right? He obviously missed the cut. He did not hit the ball well. But what we did see last week is there was a handful of the top golfers who didn't play well last week. And that's not normal. So I think there was difficult conditions. I'm, I'm kind of giving guys a pass, right? If you look past last week, Rory's been in great form. It, it's not that he's you know consistently been not showing up. He didn't show up last week, but before that, he was 13th with a 64 on a Sunday. Uh, he was 16th before that and third before that. So he's been competing. I don't think he's lost the form. And if you can get him back on you know some greens that, that he prefers, this might be the spot where, where Rory comes through. Maybe he gets you another third place or a top five. And like I was saying, as long as you have the winner also in your lineup, that's all you need at this price range. So uh, my, my two favorite plays up here are, are going to be DJ and Rory. And uh, and then I will agree with you. I do like Xander. His form is just too good right now. He's not making a lot of mistakes. He's striking the ball really well. It's hard to get away from Xander. Yeah, uh, Xander Shoffley has been very good the last few weeks, and, and we've seen it. So, I mean, you know, as Sia said, and as Joel said, with this no-cut event, we can go a little bit deeper. You know, kind of those punt shots we know they're going to be there for four days. So we can get someone crazy. They don't have to finish in the top 20. They can score a bunch of points with their bogeys and their, their birdies, right, Joel? That's what we always say. So I am definitely curious how, how these lineups are going to look. They're going to get a little wackier. Um, so if anybody has any questions in the chat, let us know. That is what we're here to do. We're here to answer your questions. We're going to have some fun doing it, as you guys already know. So, Joel, we'll, uh, we'll hop back to you. We can go back to this 9K range. Bryson, Tony Finau, Tyrrell Hatton. Brooks Kepka, Victor Hovland, Daniel Berger, Patrick Reed, Webb Simpson. I mean, can we all just like take a moment of silence for Tony Finau too? Holy shit, man. Like <laughs> Max Homa, how the hell did you do that last week? That was incredible. But man, Tony Finau, I, I heard an insane, I don't know if you guys heard it. It probably made the rounds on the internet um, a couple days ago. But I guess the last tournament that Tony Finau won was like the Puerto Rico Open or something. And every person that's won the Puerto Rico Open has not won another tournament after winning the Puerto Rico Open? Now, that's an old stat, though, because I, I oh. believe Hovland was one of those guys, and he recently Damn. won. So. so one guy. All right, then it's definitely not a curse or anything. But it's crazy. <laughs> it is crazy to think that that's just, just insane. But, uh, Joel, talk to me a little bit. Oh, oh wait. Casey has a question. Ah. Damn it, Casey. Never mind. That's a stupid question. Uh, Joel, talk to me a little bit. About... <laughs> 48 is the answer. <laughs> talk to me about the uh, this 9K range. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's funny. Speaking of Fina, my heart breaks for the poor guy. I mean, he's played like, like he even said in the interview afterwards. Like, it's hard to be upset. He played an incredible round, right? He just didn't. But if you want to get a laugh, I was talking to one of my buddies. We're watching the end of the tournament. He's approaching a putt, and the entire time he's going up to like close the tournament. I'm like, easy putt. I'm like, he's gonna miss it. He can't close the tournament. He's gonna miss this by. And my buddy's like, why are you hating on Fino so much? He's just an easy putt. And I'm like, watch, watch him miss this putt. Of course he made it, and then it causes the playoff, right? And uh, and I'm like, don't worry, he'll blow it in the playoff. Like he's he can't win. And they keep, my buddy just kept giving me a hard time. He's like, why can't you just let the guy win one? And then <laughs> sure enough, he finds a way to not win. I'm like, I told you, he won't win the tournament. So I I, I'm, I was joking with him. We were having fun with it, but I do. I feel bad. I mean. He's playing great. I mean, yeah. you would think he would accidentally win a tournament the way mm -hmm. how well he's playing. It's just, it seems like it's just so. I'm mean, like, you can't hold that against him. It wasn't that he choked on Sunday. He shot what, a 64 on Sunday. Like, yeah, I yeah, was choking on Sunday. He showed up. 
you just got outplayed. And and I think, you know, he's around the corner. I, my biggest advice for this range is do not fade Tony Fino. That doesn't mean play him in every lineup. But the, at this point, I'm looking at it and saying, why isn't he – he should be the second highest rated golfer after DJ, right? Like the way he's playing, he's top five every week. Um, I'm going back to him. There's nothing about it that tells me not to play him. I feel like he's you – know, especially if you're a cash player, 10 maxes, you know, those tournaments, he should be almost locked in because – He's safe for a top, I would say, I mean, I'll say safe for a top 20. I was originally going to say top 10 because he's just showing up every week. Um, you know, if you want to go GPPs, maybe you get a little different. But in terms of cash tourneys and, and safer plays, he's got to be one of the safest in the field, especially at this price where, you know, you know, it's not like DJ's price tag where it limits what else you can do. You're not that limited. You can get, you know, one of the most elite players in this field for under 10,000 and still build a pretty well-rounded lineup. It's just insane. Uh, second the, tie for second tie for second. Like this poor insane. guy, he just can't win. His odds uh, to win, in case you did want to throw a couple of shekels on it, is plus eighteen hundred. So there you go. So I mean, hard to bet on Tony Finau to yeah. win. The yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I wouldn't do it. Tony. I was going to say I'll do the top ten. I can't can't bet him to win. Um, now the the exact opposite of Tony Finau, literally the opposite. They are two the opposite concept of picking someone is is Dijamba, right like tony fido is the is a definition of consistency being in the top Dijambo is the opposite he's either going to miss the cut which he can't do this week which is good um or he's going to show up and get you that like be the best player in the field by a lot and so listen if, if you haven't seen already he's won an amateur tournament here within the last 10 years so you get you can't hate this course but i don't overweight that too much even though you know i'm the course history guy because Bryson DeChambeau five, six years ago was a different golfer than he is now, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, he is the longest hitter on tour. He's a power player, but is not really like his game five years ago when he won the tournament was more of a finesse player. So he has some of that finesse stuff, but he's kind of leaning more into this power game. GPP, love him. You know, put him out there. You should probably get a good ownership percentage. You know he's capable of winning the tournament as a really high upside. Cash games, smaller tournaments. It's a lot of risk, not something that I would sign up for it with DeChambeau. And then they quickly just round out um, round out this this field. Victor Hyvelin, I know is probably going to talk about him, so I'll let Sia talk, but he's been playing too well to, to leave out. I mean, he's in really tip-top form, the way he's striking the ball, and, and the fact that you know this is the one time where guys like him, Zalatoris, the no course history is to their advantage, right? The older heads when they have those positive course histories because they've played there before, it kind of knocks these guys down a little bit because they don't have, they just haven't been around enough to play these courses or even playing field. No one's played here. There's no course history. So I almost gives a slight bump to them because that's normally where they get knocked down. So I'm really liking Hovland this week. And my last play in this field that, that I like a lot is Webb Simpson. I think at 9,100, the caliber golfer that you're getting with Webb. Oh, I didn't even realize more was in this race too. So between the two of them, 9,100 and 9,000, the caliber golfer you're getting between the two of those guys uh, is a discount, right? There's there's not a big difference between Webb Simpson's game and Morikawa's game than there is between DeChambeau, Hatton, Cantlay, Rory. So just from a sheer, you know, building lineups and being able to get elite golfers in there at this price range, it's a, it's a salary benefit. It is. I mean, we just saw Patrick Reed win a tournament. We just saw Daniel Berger win a tournament. I mean, like, these guys uh, in this range – they're Tony Finau obviously has been hot. Brooks Kepka just won a tournament. Like all, all these guys have recently been really good. It's surprising that they're all in this nine K range. But when you look at those guys in the 10 K range, it kind of makes sense. And somebody has got to go there. So I think it's pretty impressive. How about you see anybody who else are you looking at in that nine K range? 
Yeah, by the way, it kind of makes sense, but I really, like Joel said, I don't think there's a huge difference between mm-hmm. the 10K. I mean, if you look at, you know, ac- you know, yeah. winning golf tournaments, yeah, there's a little bit, you know, between DJ and some of these guys, for example, or Justin or Roy. But honestly, again, you can start your lineups at Bryson DeChambeau if you want, at Tony Finau, at Terrell Hatton. I think Bryson's a great play. I mean, again, it's a no-cut event. And last week he missed the cut, but it wasn't as bad as you think. He, he shot a 75 on day one, which is bad, of course. Day two, he shot a 69, I believe. What So we see like drastic improvement. And by the way, on Friday, he was best tee to green. He, he just lost almost, almost three strokes putting. So, you know, you look at the missed cut, you look at the 69. Well, the 69 really could have been like a 66 if his putter was just average. So keep that in mind. He's striking the ball really, really well. And when you see a missed cut, sometimes you're like, oh, he must be in bad form. I don't think so. He just He's just in bad form with the putter. And that's something anybody can go hot and cold on. Colin Morikawa is the same thing. He was great tee to green last week, but he was terrible with the putter. He lost way more strokes than even Bryson DeChambeau. So those are guys that I'm, I'm kind of looking at, but I like Bryson's upside better than Colin's. I'm just pointing Colin out. The other guys I like in this, I mean, Terrell Hatton. Listen, we don't know a lot about, about or the casual fan doesn't know a lot about Terrell Hatton right now because he hasn't been on the PGA Tour, but he's played all those overseas you know, a lot of the ones that the PGA Tour players went and played, not only was he playing in them, but he was winning them. He was sixth at the Saudi International. He was 22nd at, at Omega Dubai, which isn't great. And then he was first at Abu Dhabi. That That's all within the last like 30, 35 days. So he's in great form. We know from before, Michael, I know when it was just you and me doing the show, we talked about Terrell Hatton all the time. Mm-hmm. Just a guy that's like not really getting the respect that he probably deserves. He's a great ball striker. He can get really hot. I mean, I think... I think pairing like Hatton with a Bryson, I mean, you've got like a ton of ups. you got some downside there, too. Um, they, both of those guys can get hot under the collar and kind of kind of lose it a little bit. But they both can go super, super low. I like both those guys. Of course, I don't need to talk too much about Victor Hovland. I mean, his ball striking is so good. You can lean on that. His short game is way better than it was last year. It's still not great. It's it's about average. But average in Victor Hovland's game from a short game standpoint is so much more. It's so much better than it was a year ago. So you got an average um, around the green putting game and you've got in an absolutely elite ball striking game. So I love Victor Hovland. That really rounds out the range. Like the three guys I like the most. I like everybody in, in this in this sort of category but Bryson Terrell Hatton and Victor Hovland are my favorite by far yeah again they're they're just all in such good form recently like within only the last few weeks all of these guys have won a tournament it feels like and it's just nuts as you said with this no cut event we don't have to worry about that so Bryson can go out there and shoot uh 75 but we know he should be there for the next three days Patrick Reed can go out there and definitely cheat but it doesn't matter because he's gonna come back and he's going to play all four days it does not matter so um you know just having a little fun with Patrick Reed building sandcastles uh that was the other name for this podcast if it happened in time but I still think I mean then even looking down at this 8k range now wait what that's not bad. I like that. Building sandcastles? Yeah. Right? That's, that's I thought clever. it was funny. I thought yeah. it was funny. Oh, just a little programming note for everybody. We here at Wind Daily, we're actually starting a new podcast that is specifically just golf betting. Sticks Picks, our good friend, um, and another gentleman from another site, they are getting together. I might be involved. I'm going to be involved. I don't know exactly how I'm going to be involved yet, but we are starting a new entity here at Wind Daily Sports. So we're, we're growing people, and it's going to strictly just be golf betting uh it's going to be coming out the same night it's not going to be live so that way it's a little easier for them but definitely be on the lookout get ready to make some money more money get ready to make even more money because sticks got bored built a golf model and he's winning money there now so surprise surprise that guy can pretty much do anything um 
So yeah, let's start with you for this 8K range. Some guys that we're, we know, Tommy Fleetwood, Sung J.M., Cam Smith, Max Homa, just one. Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, Joel, I think it was you that said, why are we not paying attention to Matthew Fitzpatrick? He goes out and does incredible this past weekend. Scotty Scheffler, Adam Scott, Joaquin Neiman, Will Zalatoris. I mean, there are names, again, in this range. Sia, talk to me a little bit about the AK range and who you're liking here. Yeah, so there's not a lot I like here. I, my, my focus will definitely be on the 9K range and then maybe maybe skipping down. But there's two guys I like a lot, and they are at the very bottom of the range there. So we have Joaquin Neiman and Will Zalatoris. One thing you should know about Joaquin Neiman is, well, first of all, he didn't finish like you would have thought because that super windy day, which of course was Saturday, he shot a 78. So I, I think we can we can give him a pass for that. The other three days, I mean, you have it up there. He was absolutely fine w- with the ball striking, everything measured out. And honestly, he's kind of been on a tear. He's been really, really good lately. Um, let's see, second at the Sony, second at the Century Tournament of Champions. Those were both this year, when, when, you know, after the break. Joaquin Neiman's a great ball striker. He has tremendous upside. I'll give him a pass for that 78. Otherwise, he, he did really good last weekend. So he's in, he's in good recent form too. And Will Zalatoris, you know, Joel mentioned it. He's sort of behind the eight ball every one of these tournaments because he's playing against guys that have played this course, you know, or the cor- those courses, you know, two, three, ten times. Well, you have an even playing field here. The cool thing about Will Zalatoris is he's still top tening those tournaments where, you know, he's sort of up against it. So imagine when you get to a place where it's kind of a clean slate and he gets the benefit of having being new to a course just like everybody else. His ball striking is just so good. I mean, it's just amazing how far he's come in such a short period of time. And I think at 8,000, I think that's extreme value. I think Will Zalatoris and Joaquin Neiman, I think if they were both 8,700 or one was 8,700, the other was 8,600, we wouldn't say that's too high of a price. We'd say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. These guys these guys are elite. So I think you're getting value there. I love it. I love it. How about you, Joel? What are you looking at from this 8K range? See, I didn't even say Max Homa. He comes out, wins the tournament, doesn't even say anything about him. So, so a few things here. I think see made an interesting point, and I, my biggest takeaway, and it's a similar kind of vibe as the 9K range, is the, you know, the bottom of the field, Zalatoris, and even, I agree with you. I like them a lot. But what's sticking out to me the most is there's not a big difference between them and the top of this range. So, again, it's about how you're constructing your lineups. We can get a lot different because, yeah, listen, uh, I'm not going to say there's a big difference. They're better or worse. But my point is you're going to be able to get way more creative with your lineups and what you want to do for the sheer fact that it feels like you can take advantage of some of the pricing here this week. And so I think – Again, we like like we said earlier, there's no course history. So what are we using? That's another one, right? Is there a price discrepancy? Is there, are you feeling like a guy's under undervalued? Like I said last week, you know, Matthew Fitzpatrick to me just felt undervalued, right? His price seemed to be lower than I thought he was playing. That got adjusted this week, so now he's 85. This week, I don't dislike him, but now he just feels like he's priced accurately. So maybe I'll have a few shares of him. Maybe I won't. But I don't love him. I loved him last week because he wasn't priced accurately, and at that discount, he was just such a great value play on my lineup. So. That's my thought process going through this week is just finding where the the values are, finding where DraftKings maybe didn't price appropriately and, and taking advantage of that. So I'm 100% on board. I think two of my favorite plays in this range are Zal Torres and Neiman. But in addition to them here, I have a thing with Homa. So here's my thing. Taking all just like sports talk aside and like I just have a hard time envisioning Max Homa going back to back. He doesn't need to win the tournament at this price, no. Getting another top five. Listen, like it just doesn't happen in golf. Like guys don't usually, unless you're Tiger Woods, you don't normally go five, four, one, one. Like it's just there's a lot of volatility in golf. So the only thing telling me not to play Max Homa is that 
right? All the numbers are saying he's striking the ball as well as anybody. His recent form is unbelievable. Um, I'm just a little bit worried about a championship hangover, you know, a couple of days after winning a big tournament in his hometown and then coming here where it can't possibly mean as much to him after he just won the big prize. Um, that's my only concern. But in terms of all this statistics and what you would use to pick somebody, I love him. I mean, yeah, he looks really good. Another two, the other two plays in this range I, I want to mention, Sung J.M. Uh, Sung J has been nothing but consistent this year. Um, you know, he, he's not getting you championships, but at this range, if you get the winner and he's one of your third or fourth guys, he gets you a top 15. That's all you need. And I think that's certainly we can get. He's in terms of ball striking and consistency, you're getting that from him. So if you're thinking about it again, we'll go back to cash lineups versus tournaments. He's 100% a great cash play. I don't dislike him in tournaments either, but definitely a stronger cash play from that perspective. And then uh, the last play here that I think is getting overlooked a little bit, it'll be interesting to see what the ownership comes out of, is Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler is a guy that is uh, he's very volatile in terms of not daily, but like weekly. Like he goes on stretches where he misses a bunch of cuts and then he gets hot and he puts together a string and it looks like he's getting that run together now, right? He had his two missed cuts. He had his seventh place. Now he's got a 20th, he's 66 on Sunday, 74 um, on the windy day. Doesn't even count. So it's really just one bad round that I'm really holding against him. I, I like a lot of things I'm seeing out of Scotty recently. I think this could be another good week uh, to go back to him. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I think- it's, it's funny, though, if you look at what you just had up at the Farmers, he shot a 65 day one and a 79 day two, which is just like kind of mind boggling if you think about it. But but that's sort of what you're kind of listen. It's a no cut event. So you're not as worried. And listen, you don't want him to shoot a 79 because that's really bad for your lineup. But you're not really expecting that type of outlier number. But when you know you got a Scotty Scheffler, and I agree, he's not going to be in a lot of my lineups, but he'll be in some. When you got a guy that you know can shoot 65, 64, 66 and get hot for one or two days, I mean, that's sort of the perfect guy to, to take here because if he has that bad Thursday, like you might expect that caliber of player to do, okay, well, let's see if he shoots a 64 tomorrow because he just might. He just might. How cool would it be if you could shoot a 79, though? Like That would be pretty sweet. <laughs> that would be pretty sweet. So before we get to that 7K range, we do want to shout out, as you can see on the screen, our good friends. Over at Manscaped, support for Wind Daily is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And we're all part of the Wind Daily sports family. And we're all part of the Manscaped, the two million men that enjoy manscaped worldwide so high five gentlemen congrats mm-hmm. uh, manscaped has re-engine has redesigned the electric trimmer the manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created the lawnmower 3.0 their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology and when i say premium gosh darn it do i mean premium battery lasts up to 90 minutes waterproof so you can take that bad boy in the shower and the sweet little light that illuminates everything and let's not forget about the charging stand let everybody know you shave your balls they'll give you a high five and say congrats just as i did here so if you're listening to me speak right now i want you to experience manscaped for yourself get 20 percent off free shipping with promo code windaily at manscaped.com 20 percent off free shipping with promo code windaily at manscaped.com Last time, it's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code WINDAILY. Your balls. Well, thank you, gentlemen. So join the family, the WINDAILY sports family and the Manscaped family because 
we're all looking good over here. So, um, Sia and Joel, appreciate you guys doing everything. It's a Wind Daily Sports Show. We are breaking down the WGC Championship down in sunny Florida. Sia, how far are you from the WGC? Out of curiosity. Uh, it's, a, it's a three-hour drive because ah, the WGC is on the west coast of Florida. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the east coast of Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes but sense. the next three Florida events will kind of be in my neighborhood. Any chance um, you get I'll to be, go to them? Yeah, uh, well... Yeah, I mean, in Florida, they'll definitely allow some fans because <laughs> apparently COVID doesn't exist. Now. I was going to say, what's wrong in Florida? I thought everything was fine down there. So, um, pretty cool. So yeah, I actually might I might be able to attend the uh, Honda Classic, for example. Yeah, that's pretty close to me. I was going to say we could actually probably get press credentials, so Talk you can go me. for free. Yeah, let's go. Let's Let, go. We can figure that out. We got a serious X. We got a goddamn serious XM show. I'm See, just, I can I'm, call in from the damn site. Are you kidding? Why haven't we done this yet? Wait a minute. If we're that? getting press credentials, let me know because my parents live down the street from there. I'll be taking the weekend, maybe. I let's, I will reach well. out. I will let's reach go. out tomorrow and see what we can do for press credentials. That will be sweet. Get the two I, of actually, you down there. I was hoping when you said we, you meant you. So uh, that's oh. cleared up. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, fuck <laughs> it. We'll have all three of us down there. Well, screw it. Perfect. Why not? I need to get to Florida. It's cold as shit here in New Jersey. I hate this. Awesome. There we go, guys. Let me uh, just remind me tomorrow because I'm totally going to forget. But let's just do the show. Let's do the show from down there. Oh, no, wait. No, that's impossible. That's like way too much time off. Never mind. I take that. What, Jason, going to need a week off, buddy. <laughs> going down to the going down to Florida. Anyway, let's uh, let's hop back to this. That was fun. And let's do that. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I'm Seriously. 100% down. What is a plane ticket to Florida? Like 200 bucks? What the hell? It's like 20 bucks. Jason. Because no one's flying, so it's free. Right. <laughs> I'll have Jason pay for it, too, because it's work-related. And I can expense it. What's up? All right, uh, Joel, let's start with you. The 7K range. So as we were talking about before, we can get really creative, really interesting. If you want to go high, you can get Dustin Johnson. You can get Justin Thomas. If you don't want to, you can go down to that 9K range and start with 9,800. Um, for, for Tony Finau, Xander Shoffley, whoever's in that range, that 8K range, you guys, a couple plays you like. Seems like we're going to be living in the 7K range because I assume the same thing that we've been saying about the tiers above it. It's really not that far off from the tier above it. So talk to me a little bit, Joel. Who are you liking from the 7K range? Yeah, so um, there's very, maybe a handful of plays I like in the 6K range. This is almost my floor. So I'm really going to – there's a few guys I'm going to kind of pepper through the range and kind of try and just touch on everybody. Uh, to start – because they're at the top of the range, I don't think there's a big difference. I like them the least. And Uthazen and uh, and Day, um, they're both like Day is a guy who you know six months ago would have been priced in the high eights. Uh, you know he his last time out tied for seventh. He played really well. There's always the injury risk with him. You know he is very volatile. He's two miscuts before that and a twelfth. So you know Jason Day's the the epitome of a tournament play. I like him. He's a very strong tournament play this week. Cash lineups. I probably would avoid him. Um, Louis always is a, is, I like as well. He's a little bit more consistent. So if you want to put him in cash lines, I think that's, that's totally fair, but I don't think you're, you have the same upside here, right? He's someone that you can expect to be in between the 10th and 30th, which is really good. That's kind of paying off his price tag. So, um, so that, certainly nothing wrong with him here. Scroll down, you know, I like Sergio. Sergio missed the cut last week, but he had been striking the ball really well. A lot of the advanced metrics like what, what Sergio is doing. He missed a cut, but it wasn't like he was really playing that terribly. So, um, you know, if you look before, he was tied for 12th. He had a tied for 6th. Granted, those are on the European door, not the PGA door, a different competition. But um, I do like the way he's striking the ball. So at this range, I think, you know, if, if Sergio was $1,000 more, I probably wouldn't be on him. But, again, I think this is a good place to take advantage of that. Now, I think someone that we're still overlooking, and, and I've, I've mentioned this before, 
I, I'm seeing him back. I think it's Mark Leishman. I think he's. Uh, I think people are still down on him from that. He kind of during the COVID year really fell apart and and was unplayable. Uh, but he has since turned a corner. I mean, look at his last four weeks. The worst being tied for 32nd last week with a 73 in the middle of a windstorm, and he had a 69 to 68 outside of that. So um, I think he's been playing really well. I still think the general community, the golf DFS players, are overlooking him at 7,400. I think he's a really good value. He's definitely someone I'm going to be looking, especially in those lineups where I'm cramming in DJ and maybe some of those higher value guys to round out my lineups with. And then on the lower part of this. Um, the guys I like are Carlos Ortiz, Ryan Palmer. I know Sia's got a, a good point about Ryan Palmer this week that I won't take from him, so I'll let Sia talk to that a little bit more. Um, boy, you know me with butchering people's names. Uh, Christian Bezenenhut. <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, that was, that's okay. almost that's spot on. Um, yeah, I mean, again, he's another guy who, you know, look at his recent form. Even last week, he's playing in the European Tour. It's a different competition. But, you know, his overall play and, and strokes, they've just been playing really well. I think this is the, the advanced metrics that I – the new thing that I've been looking into this week say that he actually does play better on Bermuda grass. So he's grading well in that. Let's see if that, if that wins us some money by Sunday. Um, and then the last plan, one of my favorite actually in the 7K range is at the bottom of the barrel is Kevin Kisner. I mean, Kevin Kisner hasn't been around for a while, so I think he's probably off of our radar. But – Kevin Kisner is a guy that consistently competes. I mean, just even even though he hasn't played recently, right? Those are early January. Uh, he's a competitor, and, and this would be a course that that he should do well on. It should fit how he plays. He's going to avoid a lot of mistakes. Um, and at seven thousand, I mean, that's that's close to minimum salary for what we're doing at DK. I mean, we can get really interesting by by having him in our lineup. So uh, I like Kisner a lot. Yeah, I think again, I mean, in the seven K range, isn't even really that big. Usually, it's about two times the size, right? Because of so many more golfers, usually what, 156? Now it's down to 72. So the 7K range is a, a, even a little squished where, you know, some of these guys, Ryan Palmer would probably be priced up a little bit. He'd probably be closer to that 77, 76 range. Now he's down to 72. It could save you a couple hundred bucks. So, yeah, see, I, we all know, uh, at least Joel and I know, you have a pretty awesome take on Ryan Palmer. But who else in this range are you paying attention to on top of what Joel already said? Yeah, I don't actually love this range much at all. But but there's a couple guys that Joel mentioned that, that I wasn't really on prior to him basically stating his case. I do think it's a good time to play Mark Leishman. Uh, I do think, I mean, again, it's a no-cut event and he can go low. It's almost, you know, Leishman almost seems like a like a poor man's Scotty Scheffler or maybe like a, a similar caliber uh, Scotty Scheffler. So a guy that can go low, you know, he's he's been in, in pretty good form, actually. Uh, so I think Leishman's a pretty smart play. The guy that really sticks out to me is Harris English. The problem with Harris English is is he's sort of been bad lately. I mean, he hasn't played in a few weeks, but he missed the cut at the Waste Management and at the Farmers. And at, at the tournament, uh, or at the Sony, he was 32nd. Now, before that, he was first at the Century Tournament of Champions. He was fifth at Mayakoba and sixth at RSM. Now, granted, those were before the break. So, you know, it, it's kind of one of the, before the winter break. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, how do you weigh that versus the missed cuts? But again, it's 7,500. And we know classically Harris English is a great ball striker. So you might be getting a bargain there. Um, we mentioned Leishman. I think Ortiz is an okay play. I, the world was on him last week, so he was an obvious fade for me last week. But I think this week he might be a, a pretty decent play. There won't be quite as much ownership. Um, Ryan Palmer is just so interesting to me because, you know, I, I was looking on DraftKings Sportsbook yesterday and I noticed his odds were 55 to 1. I was like, well, that that seems a little low or that, that, that those seem like short odds for a guy that's priced at 7,200. So I started looking at guys next to him and again, 
Ryan Palmer, 7,200. He's 55 to 1. And who else is 55 to 1? Tommy Fleetwood, who is 8,900 on DraftKings. So, in other words, Tommy Fleetwood and Ryan Palmer have the same expectation in the sports books to win the tournament, and yet. Ryan Palmer's 1,700 less than Tommy Fleetwood. So you're asking, okay, well, is that just a Tommy Fleetwood outlier there? Well, no. You go down the list from Tommy Fleetwood on. Look on DK Sportsbook. Cam Smith is 60 to 1, and he's 8,700. So he's longer odds than Ryan Palmer, and he is now 1,500 more expensive on DraftKings. Go down the list. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is 66 to 1, is 8,500 on DraftKings. Salatoris is 70 to 1, is 8,000 on DraftKings. Ryan Palmer, shorter odds than all of those guys I just mentioned, and is somewhere between 1000 and 1700 less on DraftKings. So if you're talking about value and finding a bargain, I mean, it, you're you're not going to this entire year, we're not going to find a better example of value than what I what we just talked about right here with Ryan Palmer. So, yes, he's going to be popular, you know, we're not going to be the only ones to notice that, but you know, he's in cash games to me, he's kind of a lock. And then in GPPs, you can decide if you want to be contrarian or not. But again, it's a four day event. Ryan Palmer has been very, very good lately. We've been on him for quite some time and it's really paid off. And he's still sort of getting disrespected with the price tag. So, I mean, uh, I'm going to be loading up on Ryan Palmer. Ryan Palmer, we were going to love him no matter what, right? We always, all we do is shower that man and love Ryan Palmer. Come on the pod please we'll donate to your charity whatever it takes to add to the fun about ryan palmer i don't know if you guys remember this but if you guys remember when this all started for me when i came on win daily it was when uh john rom got that we know joel 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 you don't have to say it we know we well know, what you may not remember is that who that really the person he was competing with in that tournament was ryan palmer and ryan palmer was coming down the stretch and you know had there been one other it was basically that, that he won by one stroke because of penalty so one other thing happened Ryan Palmer would have won that tournament. And that is what kind of stuck in my head with Palmer as conservatives kept coming out. You know, Palmer's competing. And then he just kept, like, we kept saying, like, let's let's keep looking at Palmer like we do on the show. And he kept coming through. And so then, like, we all kind of assumed that the whole industry, everyone would follow along, like they do with the other guys that we've been recommending that have come through in the past. Uh, but they just haven't, right? He had a week where he went up and we we're like, ah, they finally listened to us. And now he's back here again. It, it's disrespectful, but. I mean, shoot, if we could take advantage of it and make some money, let's keep doing it. See, do you, do you have his ownership percentage by any chance? Yeah, it's it's looking like it's right about where I thought it would be. Right now, it's looking at around 20%. I honestly expect that to go up just a little bit. I would I would be surprised if it's less than 20%. I think it's probably going to end at like 22 23% because they see, listen, you want to jam in some of those 9K and 10K guys. It just makes sense, especially in a mm-hmm. no-cut event, to just throw in the value there. So, I mean, I'm expecting just short of 25% for Ryan Palmer. By the way, you know, full disclosure and kind of a disclaimer, he's been very good lately, but there has been tournaments where it's not that he's missed the cut, but he's just been kind of average. I mean, his last four, it's 42nd, 4th. Or no, 42nd, 2nd, 41st, 4th. So you see the upside there. And frankly, the downside isn't really that bad. He's making the cut and he's carving in his way towards the top 40. So that seems to be his floor. And at 7,200, it's not an awful floor. And you know where you know where the upside is. You know the upside is probably top 10, even in a stacked field like this. So, you know, I'm all for it. 100%. I can't wait. I'm going to probably bet ryan palmer four different ways and i can't whatever his matchup is ryan palmer top 40 ryan palmer top 10 ryan palmer and tony finau uh joel uh, obviously we all know sia and his secret weapon for the 6k range so i'll hop to you first i know you said you don't love it too much but there are a couple plays i'm assuming that you have in here that you're going to want to tell the people about 
There are, and the, and you're right. There's only a couple, so it will be a, it'll be a quick list. But um, to start, you know, I'll mention he's not one of my favorite plays, but from a GPP perspective, if someone you want to get different on, the first guy I'll mention is Gary Woodland. His recent form is not good, so if that's what you're basing off, of, he's probably not your favorite play. But the reason I like Woodland this week is what I was the the factor I was mentioning earlier is his overall body of work says that he's a better golfer than a six thousand range. Um, where he's playing right now says he should be in the 6,000 range. So if you want to just say, I know Gary Woodland and I think that he's going to play better. Uh, yes, recently it has not been so. But Gary Woodland, you know, last summer would have been in the 9,000s. So mm-hmm. he's come a long way. And, and rightfully so. He's been terrible. But, like, that's where I was saying, and you guys laughed at me, but I was kind of not even joking that much. When we were saying a couple weeks ago with Kupka and Spieth about how they should just be priced down more appropriately and then we would play them, and you guys, oh, no, they wouldn't change the price. I was like, well, they're doing it with Woodland. Why not Kupka and Spieth, right? Like, they're not playing well. Woodland's prices come down. So that's the thought process. Right? Just getting a guy who has the capability of being as good as Woodland has been in the past at this price is something that, that you can be different. There's not a lot of reason for a lot of other people to be on them, so the ownership shouldn't be too high. For a GPP, it, it could be an interesting way to get different. Um in addition to that, I think Lanto Griffin, you know, at 6,700, he's been pretty consistent, especially if you want to look at your your cash tournaments. All formats he's good. I like him a little bit more in cash because he has a high floor. Um, he, he doesn't miss a lot of cuts, even when he did, right? 69, 73, that's not that bad. I mean, he's right there. He's pretty competitive in a no-cut event. I like him to compete. So he's definitely someone that's going to be on my radar this week. And then the last one, it feels like he's just getting a little bit disrespected on price here is Abraham Anser. You know, missed the cut last week. But Abraham Answer is another one of those guys that we put in that, you know, B plus tier upper echelon. Seeing him with a 6,000 price tag uh, doesn't add up to me. Uh, I think he's, he's mispriced. Um, it's, 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 he's not in the same case as Woodland, where Woodland has consistently been underperforming. He missed the cut last week, yes. But before that, 53rd, not great. Tied for fifth. Another missed cut, but the missed cut was within 69 and 68. So, yeah, it was an easier course, but you know he's not playing poorly, uh, and this is an overall very good golfer. So definitely someone when you need it in your budgets in the six thousand range, he, he should be in the in the mix. Yeah, seeing when I saw Abraham answer, if I'm not mistaken, Sia, you wrote him up in your article, uh, and when I saw him down in the six K range, I was like, what the hell is going on? And yeah, maybe his most recent form isn't the best, but he obviously has that tied fifth le- a literal month ago. So it's not like it's awful he was over in saudi arabia for a little bit so okay well you know maybe throw that one out whatever but like even before that like to start the year tie for 17th going back before the break tied 12 tied 13th i think this is just a gross mispricing and i don't understand why i i just honest to god i have zero understanding of why but i assume this is also going to skyrocket his ownership though and that's the only problem with it. It is. I mean, his ownership is is looking to be him and Lanto Griffin look to be the most popular, and it looks like they're going to be somewhere in that like twelve to sixteen percent range. Maybe settles on on fifteen percent or so. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Again, I, I always build a lineup before I do a, a, the bulk of my research as soon as pricing comes out. And when I, you know, so what what I'm doing, if you can picture it, I, I'm like on my phone and I'm just kind of scrolling the lineups and just plugging in instinctually, you know, who who I like and that kind of thing. And when I saw Abraham answer at 6,800, I was like, I have to click that button. I mean, I, I would agree with anybody that would tell me that he hasn't been the Abraham answer that we thought he was like a year ago or so, or maybe even two years ago. But he actually hasn't been that bad. You mentioned it, the, the fifth at American Express. And this is a point that was made to me uh, on a show yesterday. 
He missed the cut last week, but he also was stuck in Texas and didn't get to practice. He was snowed in and mm-hmm. he got to Los Angeles Wednesday night and had a tee time the following morning. So like Abraham Answer was up against it and he still almost made the cut. So you, you can go ahead and just scrap last week's missed cut. So he's not in as bad a form as we might think, frankly. So I like Abraham Answer a lot. It's great value. I think Lonto Griffin is good value. You know, when I did a little bit more digging on Lonto, I didn't love him quite as much. So if I had to choose between the two, I'd probably go Abraham Answer. Another guy that's sort of under the radar because he doesn't play on the PGA Tour really much at all is uh, Rasmus Hogarth. You know, he's at 6,700. He played in all the tournaments that Terrell Hatton played in that, that I kind of listed about 30 minutes ago. The, you know, the Saudi, uh, Omega, um, Abu Dhabi. And he finished in those tournaments 6th, 9th, and 25th. Very good for a guy in the 6K range. But what's perhaps more impressive and, and kind of fits with the theme that Joel and I have been talking about, he can really shoot low. And, and there's good evidence of that because at the Saudi International, his fourth round, he shot a wait for it. What? A 62. Holy shit. Like, that's, like, ridiculous. And again, <laughs> the, the, those are outlier numbers. Those aren't numbers that we should have an expectation that they're going to happen again. What we're looking for is the capability that those can actually happen. And we see those with, like, guys that we might not normally like, like a Scotty Scheffler or maybe a Mark Leishman. You know, those are the types of guys that actually fit quite well in this tournament because we don't have to worry about the blow-up day. So I'm not so much worried about the blow-up day with Hogard, frankly, um, because of the finishes he's had just in the last 30 days overseas. So I think he's a really smart play in that 6k range other than that uh, before before you go move on, what does his ownership percentage look like because again this is a guy we rarely ever see over here on the, i mean we see him but rarely ever i mean he just did and and joel made the point before it's not the same level of competition but i think that saudi arabia one or the omega one one of them it was like more like top tier pga players were in that one than whatever the heck was happening over here stateside because there was something about blood money and something <laughs> or other i don't need to get too deep into it but a couple of those tournaments were pretty stacked, especially towards the top. Mm-hmm. And this guy is still pulling top tens in some of these. I mean, that that's something. So I'm curious what his ownership percentage is. So it's interesting because, and I'll answer it this way. Oh no. Uh, well, hold on, hold on, oh, because I, I don't know where shit. I don't know where it's going to end up. I'll answer it this I'm way. Sorry, guys. I almost I didn't, didn't include him in my article. Mm. And let's just we won't say anything else. Damn it! I'm sorry, see. I I, and, and for the record, for those that that are listening that aren't in my Discord, uh, it's a fair question, by the way. You don't need to apologize. The the fact that I just said he might not have made my article could mean many different things. It's true. So don't, you know, read into that how however you will, but on Wednesday night in Discord we'll make some decisions on on players to roster and I'm just going to go ahead and leave it at that. But yes. it, it's it's kind of tinkering in that range just so you know from a windailysports.com/backslash/chat7freedays in that expert Discord chat so you can get this random golfer that Sia might talk about later. Anyway, Sia, it, I apologize. A, a couple of the guys to consider that I'm not really high on, all, you know, I might have them in you know, if I'm making 15 lineups they might be in one for example, but um, Sebastian Munoz is interesting. He, he he was pretty good at times um, last week. And then I think Brandon Todd is interesting. I mean, 6,400 is such a low number. And Brandon Todd is, I think, slowly starting to find his game a little bit uh, in terms of the game he had last year or early last year. So I think Brandon Todd at 6,400 is is a decent deal. Um, other than that, that there's really nobody I'm, I'm interested down here. Cam Champ is interesting, but I don't think I'm going to roster him. Yeah, I love to see. And that is the DFS breakdown. Um in case you didn't pick up on what Sia was putting down, make sure to get into that Discord chat, windailysports.com backslash chat. Seven free days in the expert Discord chat, and you get Sia's secret weapon, who is 30 and 3 now? 
No, Michael Thompson? no uh, it was Michael Thompson last week, which didn't do me any favors. So mm. it is 29 and four, I believe. Still incredible. Like literally just <laughs> like the numbers make no sense, but <laughs> we'll see what happens this week. This week's obviously going to be weird because the, the, the size of the field is so much smaller. Uh, the prerequisites, if I may, or the ramifications or requirements use whatever one of the words you like the most there under 7k under 5% owned golfer that 29 out of 33 times has made the cut and i would say 20 out of those 29 times they've actually done like much better than just make the cut so something well yeah two, two of the recent ones were, were cam percy and james mm-hmm. hahn who were both contending on yes. sunday and so, they, were, they were both under 7k and they were both about three percent owned just take it take the money people we're giving you money just freaking take it <laughs> So windailysports.com backslash chat, seven free days in the expert Discord chat. All right, let us go to the betting market. Uh, again, weird tournament, low amount of dudes, uh, 70 whatever. So, Joel, I'll start with you. Do you have any fun outrights, top 20s, top 30s that you're really uh, kind of licking your chops to get after? So I do. We, we, have, we have a couple fun uh, fun takes here. Now, what I'm going to be giving is just the fun outright Unlikely to win, but it's the fun long shot to, to look at. So from from my long shot perspective, the, the first name I like to target, and I, I I would have loved last week if he was if it was actually in Mexico because that's kind of where he's from and probably where he would excel. But uh, I'm still going to kind of list him here is Carlos Ortiz at uh, 125 to 1. I mean, those are just really long eyes. This guy's been playing well. I think he missed a cut recently. Maybe he took a lot of people off him, but his recent form has been really good. Um, I'm a little disappointed that he didn't get the opportunity to play this one in Mexico because I feel like he would have brought one home for the for the hometown fans. So, um, but he, he's definitely a long shot to, to keep an eye on. And and the second long shot um, for, for the outright win that I'm that I'm going to put in there is is Mark Leishman at the same odds, 125 to one. I thought you were going to say Abraham Answer when you said from Mexico. You guys started writing answer down, and I, I don't know. Does that make me a bad person? I don't think so. I just kind of assumed Abraham Answer. Well, no, um, I think I think he is. Where is Abraham Answer from? Mexico. Mexico. Right. Yeah. So that's that's not race. That's fine. That's he I is know. from Mexico. <laughs> You, you were on the internet, man. You have to be worried about everything now. I don't fucking know anything. Sia, what do you <laughs> got uh, for some of these outrights? Uh, so I've got five here. Um, I think Terrell Hatton at 23 to one is actually pretty good value because I, it wouldn't shock me if he wins this tournament, especially when you consider a few of the guys at the top. I mean, namely Justin Thomas and Rory, who I know we have arguments for, but aren't playing super well. So there's only like three or four guys ahead of him that are like maybe perhaps a different class. So I think 23 to one is a good number. You know, I'm not big on Morikawa. I don't think I'll play him a lot in DFS, but that doesn't mean I don't like his outright number at 46 to 1. I mean, I think that's a pretty long odds considering how good he was T to green. Now, we know he, he has a new putter grip and he lost a ton of strokes putting last weekend. But if if you get even, he doesn't have to go back to average. Like even if instead of losing, you know, eight strokes, he loses two strokes. Well, then you, you, you match that up with the T to green numbers and he's he's going to be contending. So I think 46 to 1, perhaps a little bit too long for Colin Morikawa. Cam Smith at 60 to 1, not a guy I'm going to be playing a ton of in DFS, um, but I do like Cam Smith. And, and if this course plays 
kind of difficult, which I expect it to. I think Cam Smith is, is well suited for that, like he did at Riviera and like he did at the Masters where he finished second. Um, the last two, Will Zalatoris at 70 to 1. I just think he's an excellent golfer. And I would have expected his odds to be closer to 50, 50 to 1, not 70 to 1. And then finally, let's just go with Rasmus Hogard because it's a fun number, 175 to 1. 175 to 1 that is oh, that's fun I, I that's just it. fun it that's is living. just fun you know it doesn't i mean dude all he has to do is be in the top 10 on the back nine and i that's that's it that's all i need not even top 10 top 20 give me like four strokes behind you know you can play that magical game of what if he hits an eagle and what if he does that like all that stuff's possible so i don't know and Joel, like you always say michael you put a dollar on that they don't have to win as long as they're in the tournament for the weekend. You've got your money's worth. Mm-hmm. Right? The excitement of having action on a guy that big of a long shot, if, as long as they're competing, you more than get your money's worth out of that excitement. 100%. Joel, how about um, some first-round leader bets? Is there anybody that you're uh, looking at eyeing up? Maybe yeah, so for a first-round leader, like I always say, there's no fun in betting a favor. It's so volatile that you're not getting long enough odds. So we're going back to the long shot well. Uh, and there and there's two targets that I have. One that's interesting. It's it's it feels like actually I just added one because looking at the odds, I, I don't think it really makes sense. So the 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 first play is Kevin Kisner at 55 to one uh, for a first round leader. And then the one I just added on the fly as I was looking at it is Will Zalatoris because based on his DFS price and everything else we've talked about, his odds feel like they should be way higher. He's basically the same odds that he is. He's 50 to one opposed to 55 to one. Um, as Kisner and like Kisner is what $1,500 cheaper than him and DFS. So that's, there's something missing there. It's kind of similar. It's the reverse of the Ryan Palmer argument, right? It's like, why is the betting odds so much worse than they are the DFS salary? So from that standpoint, yeah, it's Alatoris first round leader. There's good value there. Let's, let's, let's dial that up. And uh, the last one, the, the one that I have the most fun with is going to be a 90 to one Lee Westwood. All right. Lee Westwood. I didn't think I was going to hear that name. No, I didn't. I did not either. I was not prepared for that. All right, Lee, seventy to one. Yep, make me 90, seventy bucks. 90. 90 to one. Jesus. Ninety to one. I'm in. I'm in. You know, I'm in. It's just wow. I'm more in now. It doesn't even get better. <laughs> uh, Sia, how about you? I, we know you're going to break a little bit of news, so I'm excited for that. But just in case that that news, I don't know, just doesn't come true or whatever. What are some of the other plays that you like uh, for first round leader? Uh, I can't believe you're doubting my breaking news. That's Never have very, I ever. Very, very hurtful. Never have um, I ever. Okay, so we, we got five guys here that we're going to do for first-round leaders. So before I break the news, let me give you the four guys that will be contending for first-round leader, but unfortunately will come up just a bit short. Um, Terrell Hatton at 33-1. to 1. Uh, Justin Rose at 50-1. to 1. One, one thing about Justin Rose, both from a DFS and betting standpoint, he was second place at the Saudi International. He played really, really well. So he hasn't been good for quite some time. But if, if you just ex- extrapolate a little bit from that, that maybe he's sort of regained his form, he might actually be a good DFS play. And so I'm going to throw him, throw him in as a first-round leader. I don't think he can do it over four rounds against this field. But first-round leader, I could see at 50-1. to 1. I'll go Rasmus Hogard again at 80-1. to 1. And I'm going to go Abraham Answer at 50 to 1 because I'm convinced that he's a decent play now. Um, and are you guys ready for the breaking news? I am. It is uh, 9. I look at my watch, but it's analog. I can't read it that well. So 9 13 on February 23rd, Tuesday, February 23rd. Well, in an interesting twist, uh, I am going to give co credit on this win to none other than at Draftmaster Flex, Joel Shrek, <laughs> because. We share the same opinion that the first round leader this week is going to be none other than 
Will Zalatoris at 50 to 1. The playing field has been equalized. We're all seeing this for the first time, other than Bryson and a couple other guys. Willie Z, 50 to 1. Joel and CSA, book it. Go ahead and count your money. You're welcome, America. Count your money. Don't just count your money. Start spending it. Spend it well ahead of time. How about that? You should actually, what you really should do is you should take out a mortgage on your home and put that on it. That's really, I like that. That's very smart. That is very, very smart. <laughs> and then with the money that you won, go buy another home. A yeah. bigger, also, more no, no, Also, home. if there's a college fund, if you have kids, you could actually just pull that money. Maybe maybe you, it might get taxed heavy, but honestly, mm-hmm. the winnings will actually pay yeah, for that tax and then some. And then you can reinvest that money. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. just, that's just thinking smart. Yeah, yeah and I think all the money that you put in, like you could take the money that you put in out. You can't take any of the gains out. Then there's that, that penalty and taxes and all that. So... I used to be a financial advisor. I used to know how that shit works. Thank God I don't have to pay attention to that anymore. So, and plus, I'm pretty sure PJ's uh, college fund is looking pretty nice right now. I hope. So, shout You're out! Still PJ. a financial advisor. It's just in a much different context, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And much more fun and interesting context, I would say. So, and, thank and you, not, everybody. And not quite as rigged. Not to get tinfoil hat on you, but yeah. not quite as rigged. It's definitely still a little rigged. Definitely a little quite. rigged, but definitely not quite as rigged. Um, here's a question from Josh: What's CS handicap? Oh, in golf, I'm. Pretty I, I have to assume. Yeah, I assume that that's what he means. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not good at golf. Josh, you're probably better than me at golf. I mean, I, I hit some good balls. My form's great, but I just don't play with the consistency where where I'm going to be really, really good. Well, interesting. There you have it. Good question. Let's not forget. Um, we're gonna cross our fingers and see if Jason will fly Joel and myself down to Florida next week. Uh, see if we can get a little. Uh, press credentials we are press we are media we have a radio show wind daily sports show on sirius xm fantasy sports radio five to seven saturdays with sia five to seven sundays with yours truly and whenever joel wins money we always love to have him come on so that's always fun too um hey um one more thing speaking of winning money so we have kind of like dueling events here Mm -hmm. we have the puerto rico open so I, i figured i'd give a couple outrights and it's very interesting because the outright market on these two guys that I recommended or that I'm about to recommend, but I also recommended yesterday on a popular show, hmm. th- they've gone down 25 points each. So that's clearly Sia shifting. You are markets. moving I mean, there's no, the odds. There's no Thanks for telling us. Thanks for telling us yesterday. Well, I didn't think the Appreciate market it. would move. Cam Percy was 70 to 1 to win the Puerto Rico Open. He's now 45 to 1 on the same exact sports book. And Roger Sloan was 60 to 1, and now he's 45 to 1. Those were my two bets. I hate that the value's been stripped a little bit, but I think Cam Percy or Roger Sloan, um, Rick Gaiman liked uh, Kramer Hickok. You know, he was a former secret weapon, so was Cam Percy. I kind of like him at 55 to 1, so those are my three guys to win the Puerto Rico Open. Cam Percy, Roger Sloan, Kramer Hickok. You got to go long at a tournament like that. You can't take like the favorite like Thomas Peters or even Ben on or anybody like that. That's short of 30 to one. Where's the fun in that? We're here to make you money. Remember, people here to make you money. See, where can everyone find you on the Internet? Uh, At Sia Najad. And uh, if you're on Instagram, you young kids, it's at Sia Najad Sports. How do you do, fellow kids? Joel, how about you? You can get me at Draftmaster Flex, Instagram, on Twitter. And I will add, if we're going to give... Puerto Rico open plays. I do have one. Um, as C was saying, right, we're going long shots. It just none of these guys are that big of a difference. Where you might as well just take the, the long shot. I really get a really juicy two hundred and seventy five to one. Oh, I love you had me at oh two hundred seventy five. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Gielek, right? I mean, we've we've liked oh, him in okay. in regular tournaments, right, at the six thousand range, and at those long odds in this field, why not? G- uh, Michael is a poor man's Cam Percy. I'm all over it. 
Yeah. Let's do it. hundred dollars, people. Just put a hundred dollars on that. <laughs> change your life. Change your game, change your life, as Jason likes to say <laughs> over here at Windelli Sports. Uh, thank you to everybody in the chat. John, Casey, Austin, and his terrible jokes. Josh, S guy. <laughs> we love each and every one of you. Andrew, thank you all for being here, hanging out with us tonight. You can find me at Michael Brazil one. You can find us at Windelli Sports one more time. WindellySports.com backslash chat. Seven free days in the expert Discord chat, which is where you will get Sia's secret weapon. Be on the lookout. Sia's article, his initial picks, is out right now. We have um, the Antonio's article is coming out. I don't think we're getting Patrick's article. I spoke with him today. He uses almost just uh, course history. So he's like, yeah, we got nothing to work with. <laughs> so we'll see if we get anything from Patrick. Uh, then we obviously have Steven's ownership projection article coming out Wednesday night, which is always, always spot on. And we also have our showdown sheet every single night, late at night. I'm very much asleep by this point in time, but people are awake. So there is a showdown sheet now where the entire golf team, all you guys are incredible. Put some stuff together, put some stuff on a piece of paper, give you a nice rundown of who we like in the showdown tournaments for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I think that's everything. Thank you to Manscaped, promo code WINDAILY, 20% off and free shipping for Sia, for Joel, for the chat, for everyone over here at WINDAILY Sports and myself. We hope you make it a very profitable WGC Workday Championship. Bye, everybody. Sports. Yeah.